Section 18 of Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages by Wilhelm Wagner. Section 18. Siegfried in Burgundy. The lovely maiden Kriemhild, who lived in the land of Burgundy, was the daughter of King Dankrat and his wife, the Lady Ute. Her father had long been dead, but his three sons, Gunther Gunnott, and the boy Gisselher, nicknamed the Child, regarded their beautiful sister as the costliest pearl in their crown. The royal brothers were surrounded by brave warriors, to whom fear was unknown. First among these was Grim Hagen of Trony, unbeautiful of face and one-eyed, but known and feared, both in the land of the Toots and that of the Latins. He enjoyed great honor for another reason, that he was the uncle of the kings. After him came his brother, the Marshal Dankwart, Ardwin of Metz, the Margrave Skier of Eckerwart, Rumult, the chief cook, Volker of Elzoyen, the faithful minstrel, Sindolt, the cupbearer, and Honolt, the steward. These and many other brave men, too numerous to mention, served the kings and guarded their interest. Young Kriemhild lived very much alone. She loved to wander about the garden under the shady trees and hated all sights and sounds of war. Her brothers once persuaded her to go out hunting with them, but a roe deer fell dead at her horse's feet, and the sight so distressed her that she went straight home and could never be induced to go out hunting again. One day, the queen entered her daughter's room at an early hour, and seeing her look sad and troubled, she asked what ailed her. Kriemhild answered, I dreamed that I had brought up a noble falcon, and had grown very fond of it, but once, when I let it fly up among the cliffs, two eagles attacked it and killed it before my very eyes. My child, said the mother gravely, the falcon is some noble warrior whom you will learn to love with all your heart, and the eagles are two false men who will seek to compass his death by cunning. May God give you strength and wisdom to turn their plans to naught. Mother, said Kriemhild, do not speak to me of men. I fear to go amongst them. If there were no men on the earth, there would be no more wars or bloodshed. Who knows, answered her mother laughing. Women often shed more blood and cut deeper with their tongues than man, any man with his sword. But the time will come when you will learn to love some hero and will become his wife and chief admirer. Never, cried the maiden in a voice of horror. Mother, you terrify me even more than my dream. Ute and Kriemhild went down to the garden. They had not been there long when they heard the sound of horses prancing in the court and horns blowing. The queen went to see what was going on, and soon came back to tell her daughter of the arrival of some strange warriors in shining armor and mounted on beautiful horses. She asked the girl to come and help to her to receive the guests, but Kriemhild refused to do so, and Ute returned to the palace alone. Meanwhile, Gunther and his brothers had heard of, some of the coming of strangers. No one knew who they were, so Hagen was sent for, and he at once recognized Siegfried. He further advised his nephew to receive the hero and his men with all honor and to enter into a friendly alliance with them. Gunther resolved to follow Hagen's counsel, but Siegfried said that he had come to prove his own satisfaction whether the Burgundian warriors were as great in battle as he had always heard. He offered them the Nibelung realm and treasure as their prize of victory, and said that for his own part he was ready to defend himself against double or threefold the number of his own party if the kings of Burgundy would venture their kingdom against his. Bold Ordewin and other Burgundian heroes answered that it was not their habit to fight strange warriors for aught else than their armor and horses, and King Gernot came forward and said, Lord Siegfried, we want neither your goods nor your blood. I rather desire to receive you as an honored guest and become your ally and friend, if you will also be ours. So saying, 
He held out his hand, which Siegfried clasped in his, and said, God be my witness that I will be your faithful friend and ally, and you will ever come to see me. I shall greet you as an honored comrade. The Nibelungs then followed their host into the banqueting hall, where many a toast was drunk to the success of the new alliance. Siegfried enjoyed his stay in the land of roses and vineyards. The days passed happily in hunting or jousting, but a great longing to see fair Kriemhild soon took possession of him and grew stronger every day, for he was always hearing of her sweetness, modesty, and gentleness, qualities that had ever pleased him best in a woman. Kriemhild had also heard of him, but the only time she had ever seen him was once when curiosity led her to peep out a high window when he was jousting in the court below. He seemed to her like the white god Balder, of, who, of whose beauty and glory her forefathers had told many a tale. At that very moment he looked up and she shrank away, fearing lest he had seen her, but he had not. Kriemhild could not understand herself. She hoped that he would stay at Worms, she who had never been before cared for who came and went. An embassy from Daneland and Saxonland arrived at Worms. The kings Ludegast and Ludeger declared war against Burgundy if the kings of Burgundy did not at once pay them tribute, as in olden times. The tribute was refused, and the Burgundian army was called out. Siegfried and his men joined King Gunther's forces. The armies met. The Danes and Saxons numbered 40,000. The Burgundian forces were much fewer. Each side fought bravely, but Siegfried's performances were perhaps more wonderful than any other man's. He, cook he took King Ludegast's prisoner and brought him sorely wounded into camp handed him over to the care of servants, and returned to battle. The fight raged on for hours. Grim Hagen was always in the front rank, and near him were Volkner, Sindolt, and Honnold. Siegfried fought by their side, always keeping the king of Saxony in sight. At length he reached Ludiger, and swung his sword over his head. Then the Saxon king exclaimed, Ha! Siegfried of the Netherlands, the devil has given me into your hands. I now acknowledge myself as your prisoner. The battle was at an end, and the victors, covered with glory and laden with booty, set out to return to the Rhine. They were received at Worms with great joy, and Siegfried's name was in every mouth. King Gunther prepared a feast of victory, which was to take place some weeks later, so that the wounded warriors might be well enough to take part in it. Ludiger and Ludigast offered a large ransom for their liberty. While the Burgundians were debating what sum it would be proper to demand, Siegfried exclaimed, a king's head is neither to be bought nor ransomed for gold, silver, or precious stones. It can only be won in love through well-doing. Let the imprisoned kings go free, provided they promise Burgundy their help in war. When the days of feasting were over, the guests all took their leave, and the Nibelung hero was about to do the same. But Gunther, acting on Ortwin's advice, begged him to tarry a little longer, for the women, and especially his sister Kriemhild, wished to show him their gratitude. The hero's face lighted, lighted with pleasure, while he answered that in that case he would stay. When the king went to the women to tell them what he had wished them to do, he felt at the bottom of his heart a little fear lest his sister should refuse. But though she blushed, she consented to do his will. At the time appointed, she entered the hall at Lady Ute's side, and as she entered, her eyes and secrets met. She said a few words to him with her usual gentle courtesy, and his heart beat with a feeling he had never known before. No one in the crowd noticed the look that had passed between them, except Queen Ute, who rejoiced to see it, for she loved them both. She contrived that the hero should sit next to her daughter at the feast, and that he should afterwards join them in the garden, while the other warriors sat over their wine. End 
of section 18.